Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, sitting in for Mike Adams, here's Sabrina Hill. Good morning. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. I am Sabrina Hill, filling in for Mike Adams this week. Big news in NAFTA, revised deal with Canada, and also including some dairy provisions. We'll have more on that. Also, fiscal year 2018 has ended, and with it, the Farm Bill. We'll talk about that some more as well, and we have DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. But we start off this morning with my friend Spencer Chase of AgriPulse. Good morning, Spencer. Morning, Sabrina. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm living the dream. It's a Happy New Year present that we got from uh, from the administration with a new NAFTA deal, and so plenty of stuff to talk about here today. That's right. So let's start off with talking about that NAFTA deal. It was announced last night. Few details this morning, but I want to know what are you hearing already? So we're a little light on specifics at the moment. Uh, some provisions are starting to uh, to kind of leak out as we speak. But we expect the president to address the media here in about an hour from the White House. But what we know at this point is that the administration is really selling this as a, as a win. Uh, specifically, if we're going to talk about agriculture, the administration is really looking at this as a win in terms of dairy policy. Uh, they say that the Class 7 uh, dairy pricing system in Canada is uh, has been or will go away, um, but uh, a lot of the supply management system is going to stay intact. Now, the administration had taken a position here within the last couple weeks and months that they said if uh, Canada wants to do supply management, that's all well and good, but they did need to see some changes in how that supply was managed. And so obviously the Class 7, uh, the class seven agreement is going to be a huge win for the dairy industry. Supply management, kind of uh, some key words there that caused a bit of political drama between the U.S. and Canada. Can you explain that a little bit to us? So the supply management system, basically uh, Canada is looking to keep their dairy, uh, their dairy industry profitable. And so with that, uh, the United States producers were thinking that, that was just uh, it was really hindering their ability to not only export to Canada, but, but also uh, to export to the world market. And so uh, the supply management system was really a politically sensitive issue. I mean, from the beginning, uh, President Trump uh, said that he didn't think Canada was being fair to dairy farmers. Now, whether or not that has any connections to the political connections there between uh, him and the state of Wisconsin, that remains to be seen. But uh, that was something that he, you know, he brought to the forefront right away. It was manufacturing and dairy were two of the, two of the really big bugaboos for President Trump on this. All right. Now, this officially, um, from what I'm understanding, may not actually be called NAFTA anymore. It's going to have a new name. Do you think there will be other changes as well? Well, uh, we, we do know that there's a lot of changes coming on things like autos, uh, some manufacturing policy, things of that nature. But, yeah, uh, apparently renaming the agreement was uh, was priority for the administration. Uh, there was some talk briefly that they were going to call it the USMC for U- uh, U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Uh, they have since added an A. I don't know if that's because they're uh, welcoming uh, parodies to the YMCA song, but it's now the USMCA. And so that's, <laughs> that's what they're planning on calling the agreement. And still, still a lot of, uh, lot of issues ahead with this. So they still need to send the agreement to Congress. Congress still needs to approve it. It needs to get approval in Mexico and Canada. And so, I mean, this is the beginning of a, of a pretty long process, this, uh, this agreement being announced today. And it is difficult for us to talk about, even though we have both been following this so closely. The official announcement is not yet out. Like you said, you're waiting about another hour until you get more information from the White House. But what other information do you have that you can share with us? Well, mostly uh, there's, uh, we're, we're, like, like you mentioned, we are waiting on that, uh, on that uh, official announcement. We did see a joint statement last night from uh, Canadian and American negotiators basically saying that this is going to be a good deal, kind of the standard boilerplate language after an agreement is announced. And so 
uh, still still some things to trickle out, but at the main point, or really, really what needs to be what needs to be shared at this point is that there is an agreement that's done because there was a lot of questions should Canada have not come to an agreement that the United States is going to send a U.S. and Mexico trade agreement up to up to Capitol Hill. And there were questions about whether or not that was going to be compliant with the U.S. trade law that gives the administration authorization to negotiate these agreements. And so that appears to be behind us at this point. And now uh, now we kind of look forward to uh, whether or not Congress is going to be in any hurry to approve this. Uh, they're going to be coming back into session after the election, uh, need to address government funding at that point, uh, are, are also, you know, in theory, going to be potentially looking at a new farm bill, uh, a lot of things that are kind of already on the legislative uh, legislative agenda for the lame duck session, and now they're going to throw a trade agreement into there. And trade agreements are typically very uh, politically sensitive issues. There's a lot of uh, folks in kind of the Rust Belt, a lot of folks in the Corn Belt, a lot of folks that are really spread out throughout the course of the country that are very interested in uh, this administration's trade policy and how it's going to uh, broadly impact their constituents. All right. And as you mentioned, Farm Bill, let's move to that. Uh, again, fiscal year 2018, of course, ended September 30th. That was yesterday. So we are now headed into the next few months, possibly without a Farm Bill at all. What, uh, what's the feeling that you're getting out there in Washington, D.C.? Well, uh, the, the feeling that I'm getting is that uh, it'll, be, it'll be a little bit before they're able to come to any kind of an agreement. Um, they're saying that the election, uh, the big four negotiators are saying that, they're, that the election is not playing much of a role in there. In their talks, uh, whether that is uh, is legitimate or whether that's what they're telling to the press, kind of remains to be seen. But uh, there are still a number of farm bill programs that still have authorization, uh, even though the bill is expired. There's a lot of things that are authorized through uh, throughout the growing year. There's a number of dairy issue or dairy programs that are still going. So really, uh, it, it it's been known for quite a while that uh, the actual September 30th deadline uh, was not really the critical deadline that they had to meet. That's going to come in December when uh, the dairy cliff potentially becomes an issue, when permanent law becomes a real, real impact where they've got to impact or implement parity pricing and all kinds of other things. And so uh, do, do expect some kind of movement in the month of December on the Farm Bill. Whether that movement is a new bill or an extension of the current law, that's going to be really be dependent on how much negotiating they're able to get done here during the month of October. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things yet to be uh, decided. Chairman Conway told us on our on our open mic segment this morning that none of the twelve titles have uh, been agreed to. There's legitimate poly- policy differences across all of those titles, and so it's not just SNAP, it's not just the commodity title, it's not just conservation that's holding things up. At this point, it's it appears to be the entire bill that still needs to reach some sense of agreement. And there were some hopes of having a final bill ready in November. Uh, what's your what's your take on that, Spencer? Well, I mean, it's possible, but the thing is, they're going to, the House is out of session for the entire month of October. Uh, the Senate's going to be around, but the House will not. And so they're, it's going to make negotiations pretty difficult because a lot of these things, once they get to the final negotiating stage, uh, staff, can, staff can do a lot, but it's going to need to come down to what the actual legislators are able to agree to. And sometimes it's really helpful to have face-to-face conversations to come to those agreements. And Chairman Conway has said he is willing to uh, be in Washington for whatever negotiations need to happen. Uh, I would imagine Ranking Member Peterson is not afraid to get on a plane either uh, to, uh, to finalize these negotiations if they think they can come to a farm bill agreement. But that's going to be tough to do because uh, there's a lot of things that are, <laughs> that are still up in the air, as I mentioned. And quite frankly, I mean, they say that the election is not playing much of a role in this. But, I mean, it's, it's the elephant in the room that is consuming uh, a lot of the political dialogue in Washington right now. We've got about 30 seconds left, Spencer. What would you say is the overall mood or temperature there in Washington, D.C.? Well, 
I mean, it's it's a little bit more optimistic now, uh, based on the the, uh, the NAFTA agreement being announced. Uh, it's still, obviously, it still remains to be seen uh, what what is actually in the agreement, uh, whether or not it, that agreement is going to get bipartisan support, or if it's going to have to rely on Republican support here between now and the end of the year. Uh, just, a, just a lot of folks are just kind of trying to digest the the news that they've seen here. All right, thank you so much for your time this morning, Spencer. I appreciate you being our guest. You right. still Always have a lot. Thank you. A lot to wait and see. We're waiting for that announcement, the official announcement from Washington, D.C., from the president on NAFTA. Uh, coming up later on in the show, we're going to talk with Kevin Skunis of the National Corn Growers Association. We'll get his take as well. Coming up next, we talk with DTN about weather. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. powerful threat calls for a greater response when there's a battle bring strength when there's a problem seek answers when there is doubt give hope not tomorrow not in a few years right now some battles must be faced together cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day and you can be part of this battle too visit standuptocancer.org to learn more together we can save lives it only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. I am Sabrina Hill, filling in for Mike Adams this week. On the phone with us now, we have Bryce Anderson, DTN Meteorologist. Good morning, Bryce. Hey, good morning, Sabrina. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I hope you are as well. I hope that uh, that uh, conditions are not uh, too terribly chilly <laughs> or too terribly um, kind of uh, misty, I guess, is the best way of saying it. I mean, you know, that's kind of what I've been looking at over the past three days, it mm-hmm. seems. Uh, nothing but, you know, kind of this lower-level fog stuff and then just periodic drizzle or, or light mist. I mean, it, you know, some of the crankiest harvest weather that uh, one can think of, and that's what we've got. Cranky is just the way to put it. And I'm, I'm coming to you from the Fargo studios, and Misty is right. It is kind of dreary and cold out here. But, you know, there was some rain in the upper Midwest, and I know last week you were talking about some concern with that and some harvest challenges. What can you update us on this week? I would like to uh, be able to uh, say that things are, are changing to where there's more of a, a drier look to things, but, boy, that is just not the case. Uh, the, the pattern has got a persistent uh, real uh, real stationary boundary between uh, some pretty cold air out of the Canadian prairies and then in contrast to uh, some uh, still kind of summer-like conditions out of the Gulf Coast and the southeast. And that boundary is uh, kind of waving across the north-central part of the country. And with that, uh, there's plenty of opportunity for these uh, rounds of light rain and chilly conditions to develop and uh, just really get in the way in, of uh, harvest progress. And not, not just in terms of uh, keeping the uh, stems and the, uh, the stalks and the leaves uh, wet and uh, hard to work with from a machinery standpoint, but also the field conditions are certainly unfavorable. We, will, we, we have a lot of soft ground out there, and uh, in some cases that ground is also very wet. Uh, the thing that I'm concerned about now is that uh, it's going to be wet enough that there will be a number of uh, of patches in fields that will not be able to get harvested until we get farther on into the fall and maybe even into November uh, before the ground really freezes up in order to support grain carts and combines and everything uh, in order to uh, get harvest done because of that. So it's uh, not a real favorable uh, stretch of uh, conditions at all. So it looks like this, all this moisture wetness will be sticking around for a while. Yes, it does. And, and the, uh, the uh, round of moisture inflow is not just coming out of the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, there's a uh, hurricane out in the eastern Pacific around Baja, California, called Hurricane Rosa that is, uh, has been downgraded to a tropical storm but it's still kind of twirling around there off the uh, Baja coast um, around San Diego, California, and then toward uh, Cabo San Lucas and so forth. And uh, 
the uh, track of this system is uh, going to actually be kind of away from the main uh, flow in the eastern Pacific. So when it uh, decays and becomes more of a tropical low, it is going to track northward across the uh, Baja Peninsula and into northwestern Mexico and then into southern Arizona, dragging all of that moisture out of the Pacific with it over the next several days. So there is a, uh, a widespread area of the southwest, just about all of the state of Arizona and much of Utah and southern California and southern Nevada that have uh, a high likelihood of flash flooding with heavy rainfall. That moisture is going to get caught into the um, upper airflow and move farther eastward into the southern plains, and it wouldn't even uh, surprise me that it helps to kind of keep the overall atmosphere pretty well saturated here in the Midwest and in the northern plains, and uh, that will add to the rainfall potential. And so the way things are looking, uh, there could be rainfall totals in uh, North Dakota and South Dakota during this week, during the next seven days, approaching uh, an inch and a half. But then in southern Minnesota and most of Iowa and Wisconsin, eastern Nebraska, south into Kansas, we could see rainfall totals of two to four inches. And that's going to create uh, some flooding concerns for rivers and creeks and so forth, lower-lying areas. But it's also going to lead to a lot of mud. And uh, that, that kind of a wet pattern here in early October is coming uh, with the continuing uh, declining daylight, decreasing daylight the farther we get into fall. So it just really adds to the scenario for this kind of uh, chronic uh, slow, uh, slowdown in harvest that I'm looking at. So I saw that there could be some warm air coming back to the uh, upper Midwest area. Do you think that this is true, or are we pretty much just heading into winter? We are going to get uh, a real shot of uh, warm conditions by, by Wednesday. Uh, there's going to be a quick bump in temperatures to the upper 70s, but then the, the uh, pattern kind of falls back into the, uh, you know, the mid-50s or so for the highs, with uh, lows in the 40s uh, during the next during the rest of this week, and then uh, during the coming weekend, uh, I think that that influence out of the Canadian prairies is going to slide southward into the northern plains, and then they like the northern third of the Midwest, and so we could see some uh, freeze conditions and maybe even uh, another round of uh, colder air to support a little bit more snow in the uh, northern tier of states uh, by the end of this week and then in the weekend. And, of course, when snow develops, then that just uh, really adds to uh, harvest issues because it seems like uh, snow just kind of permeates the uh, structure of the uh, stalks and leaves and uh, doesn't uh, go away quickly at all. And, and so, that, like I say, that just adds to a uh, situation with a slower harvest prospect. All right. Well, I'm just not ready to talk about snow yet, Bryce. Pa I'm not either. It's, uh, <laughs> it's October. I know it can happen. I would, uh, I would prefer it stays out in the uh, tallest areas of the Rockies uh, for, you know, for folks who are driving around in the fall to uh, look at the changing colors to have that contrast with that, but uh, not when we're trying to get a crop out of the field by any means. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the ag-producing areas around the world. What are we seeing there? Well, in, uh, in South America, uh, the uh, situation is still looking pretty good for periodic showers in uh, central Brazil, especially in Mato Grosso, and uh, this is offering soil moisture for supporting the early uh, development of their next soybean crop, and it looks like Brazil is going to uh, produce another record 
uh, soybean crop uh, when they get done with harvest uh, early next year in 2019. And uh, farther south in Brazil, Paraná and Rio Grande do Sul have had pretty good rains, and they've actually had a an earlier than average uh, start to their soybean planting. Uh, so that uh, whole uh, machine for uh, soybean production in Brazil is off to a pretty good start. Um, in uh, terms of wheat country, Russia and Ukraine had some uh, very beneficial rainfall during the last 10 days of September. And so their soil profile for their next winter wheat crop is really looking pretty good right now. The only area of the world that, uh, in terms of wheat production that's having a real issue is in Australia because September is a very key month for their uh, developing uh, wheat crop, and they had hardly any rainfall in September uh, to speak of. Much of the uh, wheat areas of Australia had no more than tw- than uh, 20% of average rainfall during September, and quite a few areas, especially in New South Wales and Queensland, had no rain at all during the month. And so when you think about the southern uh, hemisphere, uh, September is the equivalent of March here in the Northern Hemisphere. That's a real uh, important time for uh, winter grain precipitation, and they hardly had any. So that wheat crop in Australia continues to just kind of uh, slide uh, now below 20 million metric tons, and it may even go below 19 million tons. And we're talking here about a crop that is is going to be about 40% less than the crop two years ago. So that's how big a, uh, a decline in uh, wheat prospects we're seeing out of Australia. All right. We only have a few seconds left, but tell me, do you think El Nino is going to be much of a factor for our winter here in the U.S.? I think it's going to be some. Uh, the, uh, the water temperatures are moving uh, into a, a warmer pattern, uh, which supports El Nino. And the 30-day uh, pressure value, the Southern Oscillation Index, did reach El Nino levels uh, during the past weekend. And so if that continues, Sabrina, I think we will have at least a week El Nino in place during the winter season. That would uh, lead to a kind of a colder pattern here in the uh, northern part of the country, along with uh, some uh, additional precipitation. So it could be a colder and wetter winter uh, winter, uh, with El Nino developing. And uh, that's going to be, of course, uh, something that uh, we are going to be watching uh, very closely, particularly now that those El Nino pressure values have been reached at least on a uh, semi-longer-term time frame. All right. Thank you so much for your insight, Bryce. We really really appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Sabrina. Thanks a lot. Bryce Anderson, meteorologist with DTN. Like checking in up with him and getting our weather update. Now, coming up in the next segment, we're going to have Kevin Skunis with the National Corn Growers Association talking about the Farm Bill and revised NAFTA. I'm Sabrina Hill filling in for Mike Adams. Thanks for listening, Mike, to Adams on Agriculture. We'll be back in just a moment. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. 
We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector trending higher. Corn and soybeans on a Monday, a mix in the wheat futures. We're rebounding in corn and soybeans after last week's supplies report on optimism regarding a last-minute deal between the U.S. and Canada revising NAFTA. Traders will be watching for updates as the day wears on. Agreement late Sunday between the U.S. and Canada following an updated U.S.-Mexico trade deal agreed to in August is expected to preserve tens of billions of dollars in farm goods traded annually across the country's borders. In soybean futures, we are trending 12 to 13 cents higher, November 8.58 and a half. If Friday's high in the 40-day moving average holds firm on the upside this week, it could suggest the minor soybean rally is losing momentum. 40-day moving average has fallen on this Monday at 8.57 and a quarter. December corn etching off a large sell-off on the daily charts on Friday, trending 6 to 7 higher on this Monday. December hovering around 3.63 a bushel. 10-day moving average serving as support now at 3.55 and a quarter. The bulls see a target at 3.66 and three quarters. In the wheats, we're a penny to two lower Chicago, Kansas City, penny and a fraction higher in Minneapolis spring wheat on this Monday. Livestock in the Merck and live cattle futures, we are rallying 35 to 50 cents higher, 60 to a dollar better in feeder cattle futures. Lean hog futures, 57 to a dollar 72 higher. Outside markets, the Dow up over 200 points, NASDAQ up 57, S&P up 21, November crude oil up 51 cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. I am Sabrina Hill, filling in for Mike Adams this week. We have on the phone with us now Kevin Skunis. And Kevin, I believe you have a new title today. That would be chairman of the National Corn Growers Association. Is that correct? 
I do, Sabrina. I just finished up my year as president, uh, moved into the, the chairman role, and uh, Lynn Crisp from uh, Nebraska is our uh, brand-new president of the National Corn Growers Association. All right. So tell me, what will this role for you be? Well, I, you know, I think what, what it'll look like is, you know, we'll do, you know, a substantial uh, amount of the traveling yet. Uh, you know, the officers, uh, you know, participate in a lot of things together. Uh, Lynn will, of course, be the be the figurehead and, and, the, and the main spokesman for uh, NCGA this year. And I plan to do everything I can to help him out whenever I can and, and, and back him up uh, when he needs it. So this doesn't mean less travel for you. It could possibly mean more, huh? Well, probably about the same amount of travel. Uh, maybe just don't have the target on my back this year Perfect. like I did last year. Speaking of the target on your back, looking back at your time as president with NCGA, what are some of the things that really stand out to you? Well, we had a lot of things going on this year. We had the um, the, the RFS issue, and and when uh, when Senator Cruz, you know, brought up the fact of uh, that the uh, the renewable identification numbers or RINs, you know, were damaging the the oil industry so bad, and we so we had a discussion on the RINs about the value of the RFS. Um, we also had, you know, the, the NAFTA negotiations uh, going on and, and trying, to, trying to get that across the finish line. Uh, we, you know, we had a farm bill that was uh, expired last night. We were trying very hard for the administration to get that across the finish line. We just had a, a lot of issues going on. Of course, the tariffs with China on, on steel and aluminum you know, were... Uh, retaliated against uh, mostly ag. You know, soybeans took the big hit in that. You know, we understand that across the nation, most corn growers also grow soybeans, so that was, uh, you know, very concerning to us. We had the market facilitation program, which uh, as, as a corn growers uh, representative, you know, we were we were disappointed in, in the way that was, uh, the way that uh, um, Aid was dished out. We'd rather have trade rather than aid. But with the with um, corn getting a penny, you know, we did commission a study with the University of Illinois. Uh, they showed that from the beginning of, of the of spring, when there were no tariffs announced until about the middle of July, corn had uh, decreased in price about 44 cents a bushel. We did uh, we did share that information with USDA and OMB and. And the model that they used was pretty narrow in scope and, and came out with a, with a penny for corn. But we're so happy this morning. We're, we're just ecstatic that last night we understand that we will probably have a new agreement called the uh, USMCA, which is the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, um, which would be sort of a NAFTA 2.0, and we're, we're just really grateful for that. And I wanted to talk to you about that specifically. Of course, Mexico, a huge corn buyer for the U.S., Canada, also very important. What are your feelings about this potential agreement? Well, I think it's, it's just outstanding. We know that uh, over the last several years, Mexico has been our number one export market for corn, you know, great export market for other agricultural commodities. It has been, since its inception, as it worked over the years, just got better and better for American agriculture as, as a whole, there were a few issues, you know, with the sugar program, which, which got worked out. To have Canada join this to be a trilateral is so very important. Canada is our number two uh, export market for ethanol, 
It's also a, a, a big export market for dried distillers grains, and being from North Dakota, I know how important that is. We have a robust uh, ethanol industry here in North Dakota, and a lot of our dried distillers grains goes towards that. So I think it goes towards, you know, part of part of the certainty and surety that our farmers need going forward to have at least one market that's shored up and ready to go. You know, we hear from politicians all the time on these issues, and as you mentioned, you are a farmer from North Dakota. These issues affect you completely in all parts of your life, pretty much. What does it mean for you to have, um, you know, to you personally and to your farm to have things moving forward? Well, I'm not sure if everybody out there understands that, that when we grow a crop, we grow a bushel of corn, we grow a bushel of soybeans, a bushel of wheat. We have fixed costs that we are putting into this crop every year. And so every penny or every nickel or every dime that the market goes down, it, of course, you know, is, is less money that we have, you know, to, to, pay our, to pay our expenses. Now, one thing that is a cure for low prices is big yields. And it looks like maybe this year we'll have big yields. But the problem with big yields, it exasperates the problem of low prices. So it's kind of a catch-22. Yes, you're probably, you know, maybe okay if you have big yields for this year, but it will keep prices low. And that doesn't mean that everybody across the country has, has big yields to, to help make things uh, meet up at the end of the year. And we know that things out in the, uh, in the countryside economically are, are challenging right now. That's right. Challenges uh, many places around the U.S. for farmers. You know, let's let's talk about the farm bill a little bit. Um, as you mentioned, fiscal year 2018 ended the farm bill along with it. What's happening now to organizations like NCGA, and uh, what are farmers like yourself thinking? Well, I I think, you know, we we were uh, you know heartened that the that the four principles are are talking about it, but we do know that that they knew that this deadline was coming. And, and we heard all along that the SNAP program was probably the holdup. Uh, national corn growers, I, I signed a letter uh, about a week, a little over a week ago, and sent it to uh, Senator Roberts and Stabenow and uh, Representatives Conway and, uh, and Peterson, you know, saying, calling on to get this done before it expired. I made a trip to Washington, D.C. a week ago, Monday and Tuesday, to try and meet with them just to impress upon them, like the NAFTA agreement, how terribly important, you know, getting a new farm bill is, you know, to have surety and certainty out in out in the countryside, farmers with their bankers. We know that the, uh, that the multi-parallel crop insurance will probably, in a new, in a, in a new farm bill come through pretty well unscathed, but we have, you know, we have export market program uh, funding that, that expired, you know, so that has to come from a different spot. And like we just talked with, with all of our trade and the trade with China right now, we, we need to be spending more money on our market facilitation programs rather than some of it running out and, and trying to find a new way. Because as we go through these tariffs, you know, some of our markets are being damaged. We need to be out finding new markets, and that that goes into for the corn growers. It's the U.S. Grains Council is our export arm for corn. We need to have those offices out there across the uh, across the globe, 
you know, doing more rather than worrying where their funding is coming from for rent and salaries. Oh, very, very good points. Uh, it, it's, um, I was trying to rack my brain and think, I can't remember a farm bill ever actually being done on time. Maybe you can recall when. Um. <laughs> I can't remember one either. And, and, I, and I really spent the whole year being very positive about it, you know, trying, trying to, you know, uh, stay out there and, and keep them working hard. And, and when I went to Washington, I impressed upon them how important it is. And I know they know how important it is. It would just have been nice if we could have gotten a bipartisan uh, group together to, to sit at the bargaining table and get this done. It didn't get done. We have, uh, you know, maybe a week left now where they, uh, uh, Chairman Conaway, you know, indicated he wanted to try and work on it. But if it's after the election, there's probably only three weeks in the lame duck session, you know, before the end of the year to get this done. And, and it would ver- it would be it would be extremely important to try and get it done before the end of the uh, calendar year. All right. Looking forward, as you uh, move forward as chairman, what do you see in the future for the industry? Well, I think we all we absolutely have a very vibrant industry. You know, we are having some tough times. Uh, farmers out here, we're, we're, we're really out producing our usage right now, and, and that's where National Corn Growers works very hard. We know that our livestock industry is our oldest and best customer, and, and we want to, you know, make sure that they understand that, that they're, they're our greatest market. Ethanol now has obviously become our second largest uh, market for corn. You know, our exports, we need to have those vibrant. But also National Corn Growers Association is working every day, working very hard to find new uses for corn. And, and there are a lot of them out there. We have corn in, in a lot of products. There's in industrial chemicals that can come out of the, the oils from corn. Uh, we have uh, more, more uses for the, for the dried distillers grains. There's just a, a lot of things going on with corn, and we're working very hard. We had a Consider Corn Challenge last year that uh, went out there and, and uh, asked people to or organizations to send in ideas for new uses. We, we judged that came out with uh, six winners of that. Each of them were uh, awarded $25,000. And there were some very, very, very unique uses for corn. And that's what we're looking for. We may not find another ethanol out there, but if we can find five or ten new uses that, that equal about what ethanol is, that would be a win for the corn industry. All right, Kevin, I want to thank you for calling in, and also thank you for your time serving as president of the National Corn Growers Association. Do you have any final thoughts for listeners? Well, I certainly want your listeners to know that it, you know, it was my privilege to uh, advocate for and be president for National Corn Growers Association. I want people to understand that one voice does matter. You have to be willing to speak up and and give give them your your. Your, uh, your voice on everything, you cannot expect someone else to speak up for you. So you have to take it upon yourself to uh, advocate for, for whatever commodity group you're, right. you're associated with and egg as a whole. So thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you so much. Kevin Skunas, Chairman, National Corn Growers Association. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. It's not just storing grain. It's storing quality. At FS, quality isn't just a promise. It's a statement. Our grain systems experts stay focused on what's ahead by providing state-of-the-art grain systems that protect grain quality in the bin, along with larger capacity bins that keep us moving forward. We're always looking for ways to optimize operations and ensure our customers are ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, We've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. 
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Sabrina Hill. Welcome back to AOA. I'm Sabrina Hill. We're going to check in on the day's top news. Big news this morning on the trade front. The U.S. and Canada late Sunday struck a deal to revise the North American Free Trade Agreement. It brings Canada into that pact hammered out between the U.S. and Mexico back in August. Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas this morning issued a statement about the deal, saying he is pleased to see the U.S., Canada, and Mexico have successfully delivered a renegotiated NAFTA for consideration, and he says he's eager to review the details. Since 1994, when the original NAFTA went into force, the value of U.S. agricultural exports to Canada has increased by 271% and to Mexico by 305%. Roberts says this is no small impact on rural America, as well as the American economy. The trade pact will provide farmers and ranchers with much-needed export market certainty and will strengthen the relationship with two of our most important trading partners. That again from Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas. Details are still coming out about this deal, but there was a dairy bargain included. U.S. officials negotiated greater access to Canada's dairy market, where a government system controls prices and limits the amount of imports with steep tariffs. The dairy deal is likely to have support from our dairy-rich states, but could have some political ramifications in Canada. And speaking of our dairy-rich states, the World Dairy Expo gets underway this week in Madison, Wisconsin. We'll be talking with dairy leaders out there and get their comments on the deal with Canada. In other big farm news this morning, as of today, the nation's ag industry is operating with an expired farm bill. House Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conway expressed disappointment regarding the lack of progress on the next farm bill. The House adjourned Friday and the current law expired on Sunday. Conway says he remains committed to getting the bill done. I would prefer to have gotten this thing done before the end of September. So a little bit of frustration coming out of me in that regard because uh, there's no real reason why we shouldn't have got it done. That said, we've got work to do and uh, getting it done in October is as paramount importance right now for me. While the House may not be in session, I'm certainly willing to come back to Washington to get with my three colleagues to negotiate further to get this thing done. In regard to what's holding up the process, he says it's the entire farm bill. It'd be the farm bill. That's a bit flippant, but uh, literally all 12 titles have uh, yet to be locked down. Even the more straightforward titles, we simply just can't come to policy and agreements on. That uh, That's frustrating. But there are 12 titles, and there are uh, strong differences of opinion in each one. No one title dominates the, the lack of progress. They're all slowly dragging along. So uh, the entire 12 titles of the Farm Bill are what's, uh, what's holding it up. 
Many expect the farm bill will not be completed until after the November elections. However, political leverage could shift significantly if Republicans lose control of the House and Senate. Some members of the Farm Bill Conference Committee are warning that waiting until November may add a whole lot more challenges to the negotiations. U.S. Wheat Associates speaking out about its disappointment with the failure to pass a new farm bill. According to the group, 39 programs that receive mandatory funding of $50 million per year or less do not have a baseline budget beyond fiscal year 2018, which ended yesterday. Vince Peterson is the president of U.S. Wheat Associates. He issued a release stating that this comes at a particularly bad time as wheat export markets have been hit hard by the effects of tariff retaliation that has come from both China and Mexico this year. The U.S. beef industry expects significant gains in its largest foreign market if the U.S. and Japan reach a new deal in the just-agreed-upon trade talks. From more than 38% down to 9%, that's the tariff relief U.S. beef could see from a bilateral trade deal with Japan based on the TPP deal the U.S. pulled out of. It's a relief that National Cattlemen's Kent Backus says could mean big new sales. Japan is our number one export market. No one competes in volume or value in what we send to the Japanese market. And that accounts for about $1.9 billion in sales last year. So this is a great opportunity if we can keep moving forward. He can't put a figure on any sales gain, not wanting to overestimate, but says the timing of tariff relief compared with other competitors' separate deals with Tokyo will be a factor. But what we would want is to be able to, uh, you know, to be on that same schedule. I don't know if that is, if that's going to happen. That's certainly something we would we would support. But you know, that that's up to the that's up to the negotiators. Canada, Mexico, and New Zealand will have agreements with Japan next year. An EU-Japan agreement also takes effect then. And Australia already has a bilateral deal with Japan where the TPP could have helped U.S. beef. The other good part about TPP is that upon implementation, you know, we would have been on a level playing field with the Australians who are they're our key competitors in that market. If we can get the same or better uh, than what we had under TPP, that is going to be a huge victory for U.S. beef producers. But it will take months and for Congress to give the president trade powers to pass a new deal without amendments on an up or down vote. Meanwhile, Bacchus hopes that after deals with South Korea, Mexico, Canada, other trade deals will also fall into place, giving producers new hope after several very tough years. There's more meat in the country this year compared to last year, but demand is not the same for all different kinds of meat. Here's Stephanie Ho with more. World Ag Outlook Board Chair Seth Meyer says although there were no big changes made to the overall outlook for beef, pork, broiler, or turkey production. But yet underlying here is an increase, a pretty good-sized increase year to year, about 2.68 billion pounds of additional production. It's a little, it's about 2.5% increase year over year in, in meat supplies. So that's a pretty good-sized increase in meat. He says this is resulting in what he describes as a competition between meats. So far, I think we've seen pretty good demand for beef. Beef demand is held in there pretty well. He says despite increases in beef production, demand for beef will keep prices solid. Now, on the other side of that is that we've seen some near-term weakness in hog prices, and we dropped the 2018 hog price by $1.13 a hundredweight. USDA's 2018 estimate for hog prices is 43.13 per hundredweight compared to steers at 115.71 per hundredweight. Both meats have been doing well overseas too. We've got year-over-year increases in meat trade. We raised them further yet this month. For beef, it's been pretty strong demand from Asia. 
So not only good demand here, so good solid demand here in the U.S., but good demand in Asia. Lower prices have been helping pork sales. Having some good sales to Korea, having some good sales to Mexico. So we're price competitive into Mexico where we can sell fresh product where maybe some others cannot. So price is keeping us competitive in world markets for pork. That was Stephanie Ho reporting. That's all the time we have for today. Coming up Tuesday, soybean buyers from Mexico visiting the upper Midwest. We hear about their visit and what it could mean. We also talk about pollinator health. Thanks for tuning in to AOA. Filling in for Mike Adams, I'm Sabrina Hill. Have a wonderful day.